I was asked later last week, you know, Mitch, what's your sermon on? This week was a little struggle because I, I have a clear path of what I'm wanting to preach on overall, generally speaking. But I said, you know, this week I'm just not, I don't have that urgency that I typically have, and I'm still trying to figure out what message I, I would like to give. And so as I was talking to one of our brothers and sisters in the congregation here, one of the things that we talked about was the, the relationships and the strengthening of relationships in, in the things that we do among each other. And I thought, you know, that, that's needed then. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. And what was just read for us out of 3 John is very essential in our understanding of the way we treat one another. Well, when we think about the potential that we have with one another, I cannot help but be joyous over the fact that when we look at the things that we do as a congregation, we know we could all grow in these things, but you know some congregations, they're just better known for maybe evangelism, as given in Matthew 28, going into all the world, preaching the gospel. For others, they have these the means by which to teach. You never have to ask the congregation twice, can we get someone to volunteer for the next quarter? It's coming up in three days. Never have to do they just they're always willing, always and able and doing that. Some congregations, you know, they just shine in this hospitality. And one of these things that we're talking about, it, it kind of goes along with a modern definition of hospitality. When we look at hospitality, we think of having people in our home, uh, having some pizza or food or whatever it is, and then sharing each other's lives and that is a more loose, modern way of looking at hospitality, and it's every bit encouraging, and we're going to be looking at that this morning. But the true hospitality that you can read of in God's Word, at least in the origin, was from the standpoint of taking a stranger into your home. That's what the word means, right? Love of stranger. And that's where we get the word for our word hospital today. The caring of the needs of people. Congregations have this potential. I mean, it's made up of individuals with wonderful talents that God has blessed us with. And so when we look at the idea of what strengthens a congregation, one of the things that I have found in just the short two months I've been here is this aspect of the Rocky hospitality. Since being here, I've seen y'all take Miss Sue <laughs> with lovingness and care for her needs. And the same has been true for many other brethren that I've been hearing about women maybe taking meals over to some, maybe it's one of the women who've just given birth. And for their families, because bless their hearts, husbands have a hard time cooking for the family. <laughs> kind of like our house. We're living on bachelor food, if you know what that, what that entails. <laughs> Peanut butter and banana, oh, never mind. <laughs> so, you know, we need brethren to help us live. So we have Wonderful women in congregation doing such things. And we see that in the book of Acts, right? Acts chapter 6, where there was a need among the, the widows, certain widows, and brethren were there. They took care of that need. And we have that kind of reputation that I'm noticing in just a short time right here, where there's great hospitality. And so we have brethren who care for family um, regularly, for brethren regularly. We invite others into our homes to study the Word with them. These are things that are going on right now. Of course, while that is true, there's still another area that I believe will help strengthen the congregation. It goes with what Don was saying this morning. 
when we have the barlers who are opening up their home for the young. And I remember seeing that email. I went over and I asked David, I said, I still feel like I'm in my 20s. <laughs> he said, I think Jennifer said, well, we kind of think of you in your 30s. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, I'll take it. <laughs> Julie would say more like teens when it comes to me. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that that's what we need to be doing is spending time with one another. And it's not something in my mind that I limit just within this congregation, although I'm talking to you, so it belongs to us, this conversation does. But it's just simply brothers and sisters in Christ spending time with one another. And it is that mere time spent together that is so edifying that then expands beyond to other areas of our walk with the Lord that I think is very crucial to our maturing. And so we're talking about the idea of spending more time with each other as a vital aspect to the work here. And I'm hoping then that we will do that. And here's the reason why. I don't have any anecdotal evidence that says, you know, 26% or 75% of brethren that spend more time together. I don't have that kind of stuff, but I can tell you just from observation, I've seen it. I've seen it when I was in Nebraska in a two-family congregation. In Kansas City, Missouri, Macon, Missouri, um, St. Louis, Missouri, and then in Fayetteville, Georgia. I've seen this across the board. The more we are are spending time with each other, the more brethren are active in the work of the Lord. That's a general truth. Not, not always true, but generally spoken, that's what you'll see. And you'll see that these brethren are more edified among the saints. You'll see brethren who are more built up in the work of the Lord when they're spending time. You'll see brethren simply having great joy and less likely to turn away from the Lord. These are just general observations that I've seen when we spend time with each other. Now, mind you, in two months I can't spend time with every one of you because of work schedules and what have you. Not, we'll actually get to that part of the lesson. But I know that each and every one of us here can spend more time with one another. Not that we spend all of our time with each other. We have responsibilities to our family, to our work, to situations, organizations, things of that nature. But we can be spending more time with each other, and these are the reasons that I believe are so essential. Start, stop and think about this. Who among God's people typically, not always, but typically, leave the Lord? Brethren that don't feel needed or wanted are typical. Brethren that just not spending time with one another. I mean, that happens in families. In just family situations, those who are just not involved in the daily life of family typically don't have a desire to then spend that time. It happens. And so the same thing is true of God's people. And so we're looking at then this concept of spending more and more time. But the problem is, we live busy lives. Going into the Amazon, brethren there may work 12 hours hours out of the day. That's a, that's a long day in 95, 100 degree heat with 100 degree or 100% humidity. That's just draining work. But you know when work is done, everyone's together. You know why? Because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> they 
don't have TV. Well, I take that back. There's one TV I saw in Mombuno. They just got electricity six months earlier. There's one TV set in all the village that I knew of. You could barely get it on with the electricity going out. They didn't have anything. You spend time with each other. It was one of the most beautiful experiences that you didn't have everything, information bombarding you. You had each other. And you spent time with one another. And you talked about the Lord and you talked about serving Him and you spent time edifying one another. But today, in our society, we live in a metropolitan area here. What is life? You got a hundred emails being sent to you a day. You have about a thousand of those text messages when you finally get into that arena of life. Every day. You have all kinds of telephone calls. You have letters written. You have responsibilities to work that are going beyond the nine to five. Then you have your children who have soccer practice or baseball or football or basketball or basket weaving, whatever you got. All kinds of activities. Everything. I've had so many moms and dads in the Lord's congregations saying, oh, I've got to go do this for this child and that for that child. And, and, and they just have no end to their lives. And to top it all off, while we have cars and while we can travel great speeds and great distances, we have been further and further apart than ever before. You go back a hundred plus years ago, you lived right here as close to town as possible or close to the river as possible where everyone's together and there's your life. I remember when my grandmother was telling me, you just, if you got married, you got married to that boy right in town. That's it. You didn't go to the other end of the county, let alone state. Now we're everywhere. And so coupled with our busy lives, we just want to have time for each other. But you know there's something else because of our busy lives. I believe there is a lack of desire to spend time to some degree. And I'll tell you why. Number one, we're selfish. You work hard all day long. What do you want to do but rest? Now what do we want to do? We want to recharge our batteries. And so we use it in the means of that lazy boy with the TV set. Maybe so much as to spend more time with family because you've just come home from a long day. And so that desire to spend time with brethren, it may be there, but it may not be that great. Not great enough to actually make that effort. It may be because, well, we have unrealistic expectations. I want you to go back to Third John that Matt read for us. I'm going to look at this text here before we look at this next point. You know that, of course, you have different translations, right? I believe the New American Standard, if I remember correctly, um, it adds some English words, but it brings the thought out, I believe, a little bit more accurately based upon the context of what's being said here. Look at verse 5 again. John is saying, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren. And, as the New King James Version says, and for strangers. Now, what this is saying, if we're going to read past this verse, are those brothers in Christ who've been preaching the gospel that come your way, you've never met them. These strangers. He's taken the idea of hospitality and narrowed it down, even just to brethren. He says, 
These are those who have borne witness of your love before the church, and if you, spend, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. These are brethren that may come your way, proclaiming the word. Now, we're taking that and extrapolating from that principle with all our busy lives. Remember when the man of God would, would come, Elisha by name? He always passed through this town and there was a woman with her husband and they kept saying, you know, there's that man of God. I think we need to keep him in our home. And did so. And after coming through a number of times, they finally, the, the wife said, listen, what we need to do is just build all a room and whenever he comes, that'll be his room. It's a concept of hospitality. Spending time with one of their brethren. But what we do today, sometimes we place unrealistic expectations on ourselves. I've seen a few of these expectations. I've witnessed them and sometimes been a part of them. Maybe because of failing comparisons. Like, you know, I, I want to have brethren over, but I get tired when I watch so-and-so. They always are having people over. I just can't do it because we've got six children. The house is just not as clean as so-and-so. That brings me to that, that next point. You know, so-and-so's house, you can go in there with a white glove and inspect that house and there's an area of dust. It's not that I just can't have anyone because my house isn't as clean as the Joneses who I try to keep up with. We know from a mental standpoint, we know, you know, the body's made up of all kinds of people. The Spirit gives varying gifts to each individual. And we have varying talents given to us. But here's the point. With these unrealistic expectations, we end up doing nothing because of those expectations than doing something in spite of those unrealistic expectations. I know in, in Fayetteville at one time, we were having our Monday night Bible studies and you know, you start off with just some chips. Next family adds some dip with those chips. The next family then adds a special drink with the dips and the chips. And pretty soon we have a full-on seven-course meal from Monday Night Bible Study. We're always just trying, well, you know, I think I'd like to do this. And sometimes it goes from just joyous, I'm wanting to do this, to I feel like I need to. And because I can't do what the others have done, I just don't want to have to study it. I don't have the time to put that together. So this is what we do. And we end up not spending time. But if we go back just 20, 30 years ago, what was it like? Could I actually, without even phone calling you, could I actually come by your house? Would you possibly, 20, 30, 40 years ago, be sitting on your porch after work, door wide open, come on in, isn't that the way it used to be? We know we're living in different times because we don't live that way. We've got to keep the AC nice so we don't have a high bill and so we keep the door closed and, and we start staying out less in, within our own homes more. And pretty soon that culture that belongs to our society actually affects brothers and sisters in Christ. And the culture within the body of Christ is affected that way. It happens. 
You go to other parts of the world where you can have no electricity and what have you, and brethren spend a lot of time with each other. Because there's a lot less me time. Whether it's work, whether it's recreation, whether it's family uh, matters and what have you. But these are the, the problems and difficulties that make it hard for us to spend time with one another. But what happens is that if we make an effort, you'll see a cultural change again just within the congregational level. And you'll also see, see some things that you really are encouraged about when spending time. And so here's my challenge. Just between now and December, the end of December, I want to ask you to at least try this. Make a great effort. And then when come January, I'll come tally up again and we'll come review this and see what happens. But I want you between now and the end of this year, try this. Have a family in your home, if you want two or three or more, but, you know, but at least one family. At least one family once a month that you'll have in your home or that you'll go and see. If every family did that, I don't know how many families we have in the congregation here. I'm guessing around 60. Pretty close. 60 families. So if you just went to visit at least one family or had one family come visit you, now preferably someone that you don't already have in your home regularly. <laughs> see what happens. What I see happening from a personal observation is when I spend time with you on a personal level, I get closer to you personally. I was telling Janice, why can't I keep forgetting Janice's name is beyond me. <laughs> and I'll see Janice from time to time and, okay, now you are, uh, Judy? <laughs> no, Janice, still Janice. <laughs> I haven't changed. And I remember saying to just uh, Janice a little bit and even Gail that was sitting next to her, I said, you know, if I spend time with you, sit down with you, talk to you, get to know you, then, well, I can't guarantee how or never, but it'll be a whole lot better because I have a relationship now with you. It's been established. How wonderful that is, brethren, when we do that. That's the kind of people that we need to be so that when we reach the lost, they know that we really care for them because we spend time talking to them, relating to them. Try that. You don't have to have a big gourmet meal. Believe it or not, hot dogs. It's all good. <laughs> Nathan's, if you really want to get expensive. Get yummy, I mean good with the flavor. But just have family over. I remember one of those ladies in Fayetteville that she actually tried. I mean, she had about six or seven families in her home. And she had six kids that she adopted. She's a grandma. And her house was far from spotless. But she did it anyway on purpose, going, I've got to get over this fear of having a perfectly clean house. And I want to have brethren over. I want to be hospitable. And she had us all over. And we sat on the floor. We sat on whatever we could sit on that was space in the house. And we had a great, great time. Have at least one. Between now and then, at least once a month, try that. And try spreading out your hospitality to a number of different families over these next four, five, six months that we have remaining. Try that. Now, I realize that we're not all people that can do this because we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are shy, more introverted. God made us all kinds of ways. There's some family, they're so outgoing, 
And then there are some families that, wow, not outgoing at all. And it's not bad. It's just that's who we are. But I tell you, I believe for brethren who are among the shy within any congregation of God's people, this has got to be hard to hear. Very difficult, maybe. But I'll share this with you. I've seen it too many times. I've seen brethren who are shy. They've taken this step. I remember one in particular, a brother in Christ, who if you were to talk to him one-on-one, his hands are like this, shaking. Believe it or not, that same brother today preaches to everyone he gets a hold of. Talks to them about the Lord, teaches the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ, has people in his home that he would never used to have, would hardly visit his own brethren that love him dearly because he was so introverted, so shy. But the effort was made. And if you just at least sacrifice between now and the end of the year, one time this year, at least once, make that effort. Don't have to be once a month, but just one time. You'll be edified. You'll be strengthened. You'll be encouraged. Now I'll say this. If this is a congregation where we don't have a lot of families that do this, That's not wrong in and of itself. But you're missing out on a means by which you can strengthen one another. We have a number of young families in the congregation that, from what I've been told, just started worshiping here and what have you. And, and you guys are all out at it. Having young families in your homes and what have you. I'll make a challenge to you young, younger families. Have some of the older families. And I'm going to have to start raising my hand. I used to tell brethren that are over 40, you're middle-aged. You're going this way. <laughs> I have to qualify myself now. <laughs> have the older families in your home. There does not need to be a generation gap. It doesn't have to be that way at all. In fact, you'll find how encouraging it can be when you have older brethren and younger brethren spending time with each other. You talk about great things to learn from, great stories to hear about, what it was like before, you know, <laughs> the ones, electricity and what have you, but you get the point. <laughs> you get the point. You get to enjoy everything about wisdom and age, and our brothers and sisters who are older get to enjoy everything about youth and vibrance. And how encouraging that is. All because we spend a few minutes, a few hours with each other. Once a month. For some brethren, maybe it might be once a week or or more. But none of this matters. Not one word is going to matter to you unless you have that desire. And when I say desire, I'm not talking about this, I would like to, but... It's an I would like to, and what can I do to make it happen? See the difference? One has every reason not to be together, even though there is a I want to. The other is, what can I do to get rid of the obstacles? Because I live a busy life, I've got my own family and my own responsibilities, but what can I do, despite all that, to spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ? They get this. 
I'm going to spend eternity with. Brethren, look around. If we're all faithful to the Lord, this is who we're spending time with forever in heaven. We may as well start now. Get to know our brothers and our sisters. But it's not going to matter if we don't have that desire. It's not going to matter if we don't make that effort. It's hard to get together without that phone call, without that email. But if we make that phone call, we send that email, we send out an invitation. You know what? Not even that. Just I've done this before and sometimes, you know, I know we're living in a different age. But I'll just go to Brethren's home sometimes without even calling. And I know it's shocking. And I know it's hard today because our culture is so different than it was a generation or two ago. The house may not be ready. Well, come to our house. <laughs> You'll see it's not going to be ready all the time. And the girls and boys do their chores. But then they mess it up faster than they clean it. And we'll have company. And it's all wonderful. There's got to be that effort. We have to take that step. But the last thing I want to share is, when you have family and, and brethren over, don't do it with ulterior motives. Now, I say that almost contradicting myself because I'm asking you to do it. <laughs> and that is the ulterior motive maybe from that standpoint. But these are the ulterior motives that I'm considering. Don't have brethren over with the expectation that you have to be it's your turn to go over to their house. Don't do that. When you do that, we start, we start getting upset because our brethren are going to fail us. We may be the ones failing them. But if you do it because you want to strengthen relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you do it out of a pure motive, then it doesn't matter if you're the one hosting 100% of the time families in your home or you're the one always making the effort to go out and be with your brethren, if they, whoever they are, whoever we are in this group that doesn't do that, don't feel upset with them. Know this. When God made the eye, the eye couldn't do the work of the ear, right? And the ear is just as necessary. The ear just has different functions. Some brethren, I can preach this lesson till I'm blue in the face, and they'll never have another family in their home because of whatever reason they may have. You may be that family. But brethren, if you're the one that is having families over saying, you know, I want to make an effort on this, don't ever look to your brethren that aren't making that effort because you may not know the reasons why. They may have very valid reasons that we're just not aware of. But I can guarantee you, the more and more we spend time with each other and we do it out of pure motive, you'll see a congregation continuing to be strengthened then you realize. Do it for the purpose of building up your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to finish with Ephesians 4 because that's what was mentioned earlier. I want you to look at Ephesians 4 beginning in verse 11. Now mind you, this picture that we have in Ephesians 4 is of the Lord's church that Jesus Christ died for and gave gifts. You know like when you go to war and you're victorious? And you get all the spoils and you distribute it among all the, the victory party, if you will. Well, that's the picture that is given here beginning in verse 11. It says, And he himself at, in this victory party has given some to be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So we have all these different roles, if you will, for this purpose. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, take that very principle. And notice that when we come together, like here in the building in a formal way, it's edifying. It's for the purpose that we may grow up to this perfect or mature man, a complete person in Jesus Christ. That's the picture of this whole body as one perfect or mature person, complete person in Christ Jesus. But you couple this concept with Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, where brethren were spending time daily in each other's homes, daily in the temple. They were together daily. What happened to the church in Jerusalem? They were strengthened. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. For some of us, when, when this sermon is over and everything, we, we kind of reflect upon this. This may seem trivial to some. For some, it's just overwhelming. You know, having the thought of someone in your home, it's an overwhelming thought. Having, spending time with brethren, I mean, we have our own phobias, and some have that phobia of, of relationships. I know a brother in Christ, he's been actually diagnosed with such, and he has a hard time spending time with brethren at services, let alone in, in their homes. Never thought that was possible, but it happened. But when we spend more time with each other, it cannot be denied. I've seen it happen too many times. You're going to have a stronger congregation. That's what's going to happen. Spend time with each other, and pretty soon you're willing to lay down your life for one another. Stop and think about that. You get so close, you cannot bear to leave. You get so close to each other, spending time with one another, you have relationships and memories that are so strong, so sensitive to you, so meaningful in your life. You cannot imagine your life without your brothers and sisters in Christ. And brethren, you know what happens when that takes place? Imagine when Mitch Davis gets weak, and I, for whatever reason, want to go back to the world from which I came. You know what's going to keep me there? Keep me in the body? I can give credit to God for this. His church. The family of God. Because I'm so close to you, I wouldn't want to leave those relationships. There's always exceptions to the rule. I understand that. But the general truth of the matter is when we are so close to each other, genuinely close to each other, not artificially close, but genuinely close, that's one of the best benefits. We have brethren who would otherwise stray away from the Lord remaining. Think about that. Think of all the benefits that you have. 